Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> it's like a farm around here, isn't it? We've it is. We've got the dogs and the cats, and then we have the chickens off in the background laying eggs. Yep. And uh, so we're going to talk sloths. Yeah, this hour, sloth love. I used to love sloths when I was a kid. I thought, you know, you read those books and you just think, what a curious animal. They are the cutest. I just absolutely, they're adorable. I wish I could have a sloth, but I think they're illegal to own. Yeah, they? And I guess they, they can't run away, huh? They're not real fast. I don't think so. But they got some heck of some nails, so I don't know that I'd want to. They do have big them. nails. Yeah, you wouldn't want to freak them out. So we're going to talk to Sam Troll. She's a photographer and she's put together a book called Sloth Love, of which we will have giveaways for you. Also, five pets that are illegal to own. What are they? Well, Robert Simro will tell you what those pets are in just a few minutes. And Lori Brooks from the newsroom, what do you got coming up this hour? Well, if you are a cat lover, I used to love this. You come home from the grocery store and you have, a, you know, bags and you go to Price Club, Costco or whatever, and you have boxes all over the place. Cats love those things. Yep. But it turns out there's lots of reasons why. And we'll kind of share that with you coming up in just a few minutes. I noticed that whenever I spend all kinds of money on my cat gifts, they just like the wrapping paper in the box that it came in. That's, I know. That's, that's what they prefer. It's amazing how cheap some cat toys can be, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good. Yourself? How are you, Doc? Very. Oh, well, I'm not the Doc. I'm, I'm actually the moron. You could just call me moron, but the Doc's right Aww. here with me. Aww. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. I'm messing with you. I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing better than I think my uh, my leash is. Got a quick obedience question. Somebody help okay. me with that. Sure. Let me share with you. I, I've always had German Shepherds, which is just fabulous in my book, but... A few years ago, we went to the Labrador Retriever, Chocolate Lab. He's, he's a beautiful, great boy. But when we walk, he will pull and pull until he gags himself. I've, I've tried the gentle lead. I've tried the body harness. I think I got a sled dog instead of a, a, a Labrador. <laughs> I don't, he's actually pulled my wife down to where she, she tore some muscle in her knees. So this is really concerning me now because... He, okay. he just—he's out of control, and he's strong boy. Yeah. So you tried the gentle lead, the one that goes over the nose, and then you also tried what kind of harness? Um, I tried the gentle lead. He'll still pull so hard he'll start bruising his nose. The mm, other harness okay. I got it goes around his back, under his armpit, with a little uh, hook in the front of his chest. Okay, so like a chest and lead. Just, okay. I, I I wish I could put him on front of my skateboard, but I'm too old for those anymore. Oh. Well, you know, the... such a polar. Yes, you, you do. In, in Labradors, it's very common. These guys have so much energy about life in general. They just want to go, 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 go. And that They're is part of, their, part of their charm. Um, yes. the, the challenge with training um, a good leash walker is that our expectations have to change how we can walk him. So as much as we want him to get exercise, if we're trying to train him to not pull... Um, we have to reward him for short bouts of healing in an appropriate manner. So this, I can tell you, I've had labs, and it can be just oh. kind of uh, pull your hair out frustrating. Um, but yeah, I went through this I with, with my one lab, 
And you basically have to teach them to just start off with the healing command and just really take one or two steps without pulling and reward. Have the treats, positive rewards, and really having them even focus on you as you're, you're doing this. The expectations yeah, to start yeah. walking, going around the block and coming back and asking him to heal nicely isn't going to work. And it is counterproductive because you're just reasserting and he's doing what he wants to do and it's been working for him. So he's not understanding why it's a problem. So when we're teaching a dog that pulls to not pull, we want to reward them for what we call loose leash walking. So healing without yanking on that. And it may be just a few steps. And that's it. And you repeat that over and over and you give positive rewards. And we don't go for, you know, a big trip around the block. Um, uh, some people, for doing that. that, yeah. So in, this is where I can tell you, I wanted just to pull my hair out when I had my, my uh, male lab yep. as a puppy because we would, my, my husband would walk yeah, the other dog yep. and she was fine. And I would have to stay far behind and just do these drills over and over again. And we did that a couple times a day. And we just practiced it until he really got the whole uh, loose leash walking right by my side. Now, some people t- will use different tools, like you mentioned. There's the gentle lead harness, which fits like a bridle over the muzzle. The chest right. harness, which takes away the pull um, instinct from a lot of dogs. And it kind of turns them where you want them to go. Um, but anything we use has to be paired with the appropriate command and redirection when they're doing something the right way we don't want them to. So, and, and I've actually even had some good success with prong collars. But if you're using those kind of items inappropriately without the proper um, commands and rewards, it's not going to get you where you want to be. So, um you know, for some, some people have a, a big problem with them. For me, that I call them my dog's brakes. And... Um, if they have it on, they don't have a problem. They they walk and they mind very well. If I need the brakes wow. because of an emergency, they see a rabbit, they want to run across the road, the brakes come on, yep. but it's just uh, a gentle reminder. Um, but again, I if see, you're not... I, and I watch these, you know, guide dogs and the service dogs. I get so jealous. They're just, oh, there's another, I don't know, they're more calm than my kids. Yeah. That's amazing when I watch those. So, so my suggestion for you is, is going to be to work on this kind of leash training, not to go out the direction that you do when you go for a walk, because there's a lot of excitement that builds with that. So I want you to practice this kind of leash walking in your own backyard on a leash and picking a really scrumptious treat that's going to be a high value reward. So that may be something like, um, string cheese bits. Um, I'm not a hot dog fan, but some people use hot dogs. Um, right. little pieces and of cooked meat, chicken. Yeah. What's that? Nice. So meat, yeah, in, yes, don't, don't take them out. We usually do about two miles a day, but don't take them on a two mile for this, this program. Yeah. Take them on it, the backyard yeah. up and down the walk. Yeah. The other thing, if you do need an outlet for his exercise, um, I have some clients that actually get the little dog um, treadmills. So you can train them to the treadmill to burn off that energy that you might be losing because you're not yet ready for that kind of big leash walk. Um, And that's one thing. Some dogs really thrive on that. Yep. Yep. I think I'm going to try those baby steps and just, uh, you know, just try up and down the backyard, maybe down the sidewalk in front of my house, 20 steps and 20 steps rather than two miles, two miles. Yep. And really remember, 
Yes. And remember, so if you take, if you take two steps and he's already pulling, that's too far. So you build on those good, successful short bouts, and that may be only a couple steps. And instead of, uh, you know, a lot of yanking, you just stop. You're, you, you just stop where you're at and, um, say heal and then have him come back. So, you know, we don't want to make it a, a kind of a choke fest. That's not what it's about. We just want him to no. learn that listening to you and staying close to you is going to be where he gets the payout. You know, I'm from Vegas, so, you know, that's when the big payout uh-huh. comes. Right. <laughs> so. Exactly. Well, I'll definitely give that a try, you know, and I'll try All that right. with the baby steps with, and we'll see what happens. All right. Well, good luck, Thanks. Mark, and I love those Thanks. Labradors, so give your baby oh, a pat on the head. They're still boys, but thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Mark. We appreciate it. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free Happy Homes. Don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Happy Homes. Helping your pets live their happiest, healthiest, fullest lives at home, at the vet, and everywhere in between, visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And thanks, Fear Free, for underwriting Animal Radio. Sylvia, how are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Where are you calling from? Uh, right at the moment, I'm going through Hartford, Connecticut. You're traveling today? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I deliver horse trailers. You deliver horse trailers? Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I understand you have a horse question for uh, Dr. Debbie. Yeah, I've got a, a he has an 18-year-old thoroughbred gelding. Uh, he's pretty skinny. I took, I took him in. Uh, I run a small equine rescue down in East Texas. And uh, I've gotten his teeth floated. He had an abscess tooth, and he's got a couple of teeth missing. And uh, I've got him... I've got him on that one and only horse feed, and I'm trying to figure out if that's a, if that's a good feed to have him on, or do I need to try something else? Okay, and he's since you've had his teeth floated, he's not gaining weight since then. Still, uh, he's probably put on a little bit of weight. I haven't really been I haven't been home to really see what he looks like right at the moment. I pretty much stay out on the road most of the time. My mm-hmm. son takes care of the horses. Okay. All right. Well, if it's not something that we can easily see an improvement after his teeth have been addressed, you know, I'll be honest, I don't work on horses on a regular basis, but dog, cat, horse, pig, otherwise, if we've tried just some reasonable care and that hasn't changed in his overall body condition, then I'm inclined to say, okay, we got to go looking for something there. Yeah. Well, uh, we've wormed him and everything and, uh, I think it was the feed because we just—I just started him on that one and only, and it's like a, like a round wafer looking, you know. And mm-hmm. I had him on strategy. The strategy was a pellet, and he couldn't really keep a whole lot of it in his mouth. You know, he ended up dropping a lot of feed. So. Sure, sure. Well, and you know, I can tell you that you know. Like I said, sometimes when the body weight is not coming up, even though we're on a good diet, um, there can be problems brewing. And in things beyond teeth and deworming, there's a lot more to uh, equine medicine even. You know, we do blood work on these guys, uh, scoping them. There can be a whole gamut of issues. So um, I can direct you to, I have some wonderful colleagues in the veterinary world um, that are online and um, that have maybe a bit, uh, actually a heck of a lot more equine experience than me um, since my uh, horses are very large, great 
Danes that I deal with. <laughs> but I would say, if you go to the website Pet Docs on Call um, and ask an equine question, you will find oodles of veterinarians that are prepared to answer those feed-specific questions and, and maybe give you a little bit more guidance in that way. And we'll link to it from oh, okay. the front of the website, too, for others that may want to do that at AnimalRadio.com. We appreciate your call. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Mayim Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Dr. Debbie and dog father Joey Volani answering your pet-related questions. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's a free download. Now, this hour, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to photographer Sam Troll. And she photographs mostly wildlife, but she's done a book called Sloth Love. And if you love sloths like I love sloths, (laughs) they are just the cutest little guys, girls, uh, critters. And she's put a whole book together featuring the sloth. I wish this is one of those moments. I wish it was television. I could hold up this picture here and you could just drool over it. Like You would I, fall in love. Yes, it is very cute. Uh, so she's on the way. We will have giveaways of the book coming up uh, in just a few minutes. Also, we have a guy who has a brand new GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker. And we'll find out what he's doing. And I think he has giveaways for us. Is that correct? I believe so. And one of the brand new features that I really love here on Animal Radio is Listomania with Robert Simro. Always a great list. This week, he's going to talk about the five pets that are illegal to own. Five pets that are illegal to own. I'm thinking in California, you can't have a ferret. Ferrets are illegal in California That's and New ridiculous. York. ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 But yet, you can go to the uh, Petco or any pet store and get ferret food and ferret accessories, <laughs> which is... <laughs> go figure. A little strange to me. Uh, but I don't know if ferrets on his list. Uh, we'll find out with the five pets that are illegal to own in a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones for Dr. Debbie right now. Welcome to the show, Linda. Hello. Where are you calling from? Hi, um, I'm calling from Torrance, uh, La- California. Los Angeles area. What's yes, going on? Yes. I have Dr. Debbie right here. I have a 13-year-old chihuahua named Daisy, and she is beginning to have gum problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had non-anesthetic cleaning done for her in the last two years as she's getting oh. older, uh, oh. being concerned you know, about putting her under anesthetic. 
and but her yeah. gums, uh, she's had extractions previously too when she was younger because her teeth uh, had problems. But now um, her breath is getting really strong. Okay, just calm down, doctor. Just calm down. She, she's all red I'm right trying. now. As oh. soon as you said, as soon as you said. And I, I wanted to know, you know, what is a home remedy that is good to really maintain her gums? She has a little bit of bleeding. If I clean it regularly, um, I use a little bit of peroxide and water. But um, someone told me about the salt water rinse with some baking soda. Okay, I'm, I'm going to have to back up because, hell yeah, he saw me kind of popping my top over here. Um, <laughs> as far as with non-anesthetic dental cleanings, all yes. I can say is this is one of the biggest biggest hoaxes that people think they're doing some good for their pets, and mm-hmm. they are not. If a non-anesthetic dental cleaning is done, basically mm-hmm. you get a better feel that, wow, mm-hmm. I've done something for my dog because there's yes. tartar that's chipped off the teeth. Yes. But the reality is that does nothing for the true dental disease, which lies under the gum line, which is where periodontal disease really brews. Oh. So if you, when you talk about odor and you talk about yes. bleeding gums, those mm-hmm. are hallmark signs of mm. periodontal disease. So. Mm-hmm. I, I never recommend people to do awake dental cleanings. In really? many cases, yeah, in many cases, if these are done at grooming parlors or pet yes. events, they're done by non-licensed personnel. So it's kind of the equivalent of uh, going to your hairdresser and asking her to do an eye lift for you or doing oh, Botox. Uh-huh, so, it, uh-huh. and truly, in my eyes, this is um, jeopardizing the safety of a lot of pets um, because you are missing out on those opportunities to really intervene and do some good to try to turn around that dental uh, mm-hmm, status there. Mm-hmm. So, but, but what are your I, thoughts on an older pet being under anesthetic? You know, it really depends on the individual. I, um, I'm a very cautious uh, practitioner. I can tell you that. But mm-hmm. when I have an older pet and we have advanced dental disease, I look at the pet as a whole. So I look yes. to see are there other un- ongoing problems, other health problems going on that might pose an extra risk. But if we mm-hmm. just have an old dog with bad teeth, mm-hmm. that is um, not a reason why I will not do a dental cleaning. And I've done dental cleanings, extractions on pets that have horrendous mouths because people are afraid to address that when we have an older pet. Really? That fear, okay. That fear alone is just jeopardizing your pet's safety because we're Mm -hmm. ignoring that bacterial film, all those negative products that are through the blood system affecting other organs. And it's swallowing it. Oh, like she's swallowing all the bacteria every day. Swallowing, but it goes through the blood system. And Mm. we know dogs with dental disease can also have heart uh, heart murmurs, heart disease, because that bacteria travels to the heart, can cause kidney problems, liver problems, mm. all sorts of things. I could go on and on. But yeah. go, okay. kind of going back to your your question, um, you know, if I had your pet here and I was examining them, um, if all we found was dental disease and an old baby, um, yeah. I would consider it, um, especially if we've got a lot going on in that mouth. And there are many dogs that once we address a really nasty, rotten mouth, mm-hmm. deal with that, extract the rotten teeth, get them on antibiotics, get things healed up, and many times they'll feel better. You'll notice they have more pep in their step, and then we have an overall healthier pet. Mm-hmm, so um, there mm-hmm. is some value to that. Now, okay. some of the things you asked about what you can do at home, yes. the number one thing that pet mm-hmm. owners can do to maintain your pet's health mm-hmm. is brush their teeth. Okay. Um, okay. That is the best thing because that exercises the gums, and it also helps to dislodge the bacteria and the plaque okay. products at the gum line. Now, if you got a lot of gunk in there already and there's bleeding gums, Oh, my God, don't do that because that's really? already an ouchy 
ouchy, painful oh. condition, and we need to intervene. Um, then once those teeth get cleaned, you can get on a real good regimen at home. And I, I usually don't recommend things like salt. It can cause vomiting when they ingest enough of it. Yeah. There's so many other better products that we can use that are safe. I can tell you, the oldest dog that I did a dental cleaning on was yeah. 19 years old. Oh, well, that gives uh, a little more reassurance. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for your call and give your little Daisy a good pat. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, this is Eric Dane on Animal Radio, reminding you to stay and neuter your pets. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A luxury apartment community near Grand Rapids, Michigan, says it will be using DNA technology as a way to sniff out dog owners who fail to pick up their pet's poop. The Ridges of Cascade Complex, as it's known, is asking dog owners to swab their pet's mouth so that it can build a DNA database that will allow it to identify residents who ignore their very strict pet cleanup policy. The management company, in fact, has already contracted with the Tennessee-based company Poo Prints in order to collect DNA samples of each dog that already lives in the development. It's estimated that about 60% of the apartment residents there do own a pet, so from now now on, if a doggy doo-doo pile is found on the grounds of the complex, a sample of it will then be sent off to Poo Prints, where it will be matched to the offending dog and owner, and violators will face a $350 fine. Anyone who has spent time with cats knows how they love to find their way inside of boxes and bags, but there's actually apparently a scientific explanation behind the attraction between cats and bags and boxes. According to the folks at Wired, cats are naturally wired to like small closed-in spaces. They say it's their natural instinct for safety and security. Also, a cat entering an enclosed space is kind of an adaptive coping mechanism for them that serves to reduce their stress and give Give them time to sort things out. And they say there is also a physiological reason your cat prefers small areas. Cats' temperatures do tend to run a bit cooler than humans do, so cats prefer a warmer environment than we do. So they kind of seek out a snuggly box or a small contained area that allows a cat's body heat to warm up that small space and keep it toasty warm. A community is coming together in support of a Lakeland, Florida woman who is now fighting to keep her pet alligator yeah alligator that she's been a mother to already for 10 years the florida fish and wildlife conservation commission says she may have to give up the pet rambo because of a licensing issue so she has taken the first step and started a petition on change.org asking the agency to allow rambo to please stay in her care a special facebook page of course has also been set up to gain support for rambo who by the way is more than six feet long he's a big boy 
But according to authorities, that is pretty big. And they say a pet alligator that size must live on at least two and a half acres or more of land. His owner says Rambo, by the way, has never, ever lived in the wild and has already developed sensitivity to sunlight and had by the time she rescued him 10 years ago. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, this is Brian Dottillo. I play Lucas Roberts on Days of Our Lives, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And please don't forget to have your pets spayed or neutered. That's my favorite saying from Bob Barker, by the way. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. And about a year ago, I was on our Facebook page over at Animal Radio. It's a great place to uh, spend a good afternoon or two (laughs) checking out videos. And uh, someone had posted a video of a sloth, a little baby sloth. And that is about when I fell in love with these little critters. Because I'd never really known about them. You you certainly aren't very educated about them here in the United States. Uh -uh. I've always dreamed, as many people have, about having a sloth. Wouldn't it be great to have a little pet sloth? Unfortunately, I don't think that's the way it works. I think they might be uh, illegal in the United States. But if you do go down to Costa Rica, where Sam Troll, photographer Sam Troll, is with us. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Hi, good. How are you? Very good. Now, you're down there in Costa Rica, and there's plenty of sloths, right? There are a lot of sloths in Costa Rica. Um, They're pretty much in every area of the country. Oh, really? Okay. So tell listeners that don't know what a sloth is, what is a sloth? Is it a marsupio? Is there a primate? What does it look like? Um, it's neither. Actually, sloths belong to um, a family called xenarthrins, and they, um, they're most closely related to armadillos and anteaters. But okay. they're arboreal mammals. They live solely in the trees. They can't they can't live without trees. Um, but they do kind of remind me of primates, but they're not primates. And they don't move very fast, do they? <laughs> in general, no. Um, they actually can move a lot faster than most people think. Like when a, when people see a sloth at their top speed for the very first time, everyone's always shocked. They're like, wow, they can move. Um, and I'm like, yeah, they can move. So they're, they're faster than most people think. But yeah, they, they rely on conserving energy and being efficient. I see there's a website associated with uh, your press release here that's the Sloth Institute Costa Rica. So there's actually a Sloth Institute? Yeah, so actually because, so I I first came to Costa Rica and I started um, working with an organization called Kids Saving the Rainforest, and they have a wildlife rescue center there, and then that's where I fell in love with sloths. But as I was working with them, I realized that um, they're... They, there's such a great need to, to study them more and to learn about them more and to figure out how to release the hand-raised sloths and monitor them after they're released. So I started the Sloth Institute with a friend of mine, and um, basically the whole goal of the Sloth Institute is to save sloths by learning about them and teaching others how they can save them as well. Is it legal to own sloths as a pet in Costa Rica? No, um, it's it's illegal, and it's very good that it's illegal because they would make terrible pets. They would be Why is that? Unhappy. Why is that? They would be really unhappy. They're, they're happy in the trees. I mean, most wild animals, in fact, all wild animals, they shouldn't be pets because they're not used to being with humans. You're taking them for element. It would be like 
us sticking you up in the, the top of a tree and saying, all right, have a nice life. <laughs> so the opposite would be bringing a wild animal that's used to living in the trees into a house and, and asking them to be happy. They belong out in the trees, and their, their diet is very um, specific. They only eat leaves, and so it's very hard to replicate their diet. In fact, three-toed sloths um, are not found in captivity outside of their habitat country in general because they don't survive. They just die because they're too stressed out and, and nobody can get the diet correct. Oh, they just don't seem like they're a stressed out animal when you see them. I mean, in general, um, sloths are pretty good at being relaxed, but they do hide their stress very well. And that's one thing that makes it tricky when you're trying to raise them and rescue them and rehab them because it can be really hard to tell when they're stressed out because they have that permanent smile on their face that, of course, we <laughs> interpret as happiness. But for them, it's, it's just permanently there. It doesn't actually mean that they're happy. So what but it does make them extra cute. <laughs> someone like me who just loves the sloths, what is the best way for me to interact with sloths? Would it be to visit Costa Rica or a country that has them? Well, there are some two-toed sloths in zoos. Um, okay. And so you can, definitely, you can definitely go to different zoos and see them. Um, but he's not going to interact with them, right? He's not going like, to get in there and cuddle with them and stuff no. like that. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, actually, two-toed sloths can be extremely dangerous. They have a pretty bad bite. Oh, <laughs> so, really? If you try to touch one, um, you could regret it pretty quickly. Is it that the same with the three-toed sloths, or is it just the two-toed? The three-toads are a lot calmer, but again, like, since they're wild animals, they don't like being touched. Sure. So while I understand the, the desire, um, it's not very good for them to do that. So these videos that I see on our Facebook page of uh, sloths in a cage eating, laying on their back eating uh, fruit and stuff, they look pretty happy, but is that probably an unsavory situation that we're viewing on the video? It could be. I mean, some of those videos are from rescue centers um, in, in the habitat country, like in Costa Rica, probably from Costa Rica. So a lot of those sloths, um, they're there, even though, you know, they probably don't enjoy being in a cage. They're there because they're sick or they're injured. And so whoever's taking care of them is trying to get them better to then release them. Um, that's what we do. That's the only reason why I interact with them at all is to rehabilitate them and get them back out into the wild where they belong. Um, but if you do see any videos where um, it looks kind of like a pet situation, then that could be that could be bad for them. What is their lifespan? We're not 100% sure. In zoos, there are some two-toed sloths that are in their 40s, so wow. that's a pretty long time. Um, some of the, A lot of the literature says that they guess that their average uh, lifespan in the wild is like 10 to 20 years. So they have pretty long life histories. Well, your book is great for anybody that loves sloths. I'd like to go ahead and give 10 copies away right now. It's called Sloth Love, an inspiring and intimate visual journey into the world of sloths where you have photographed. Just There's not one photograph in here that you could just not like. I mean, it, they're all so cute and so Thank adorable. You. And you did a wonderful job photographing Thank them, you. too. They now, look like they had fun getting photographed. They do. A lot of them see me as their mother because they were orphaned, it's, you know less than a week old some of them so i'm kind of the only mom they knew for a while and so i think they got used to wh where they would hear the camera click and think oh mom is near <laughs> that's it we got to get down to costa rica Hal. yeah definitely definitely <laughs> go visit these animals sloth love the book sam troll the photographer and caretaker of these animals visit the website the sloth institute costa rica.org and of course links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com Sam, thanks so much for hanging with us today. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hanging with us, that's a little sloth joke. Oh, you know. <laughs>
<laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hey, this is John Sally, and you are listening to Animal Radio. Go vegan. How would you like to save money on nearly all your prescription drugs? We've set up a special toll-free number for the RX Outreach Program. They're a nonprofit company whose mission it is to make prescription drugs more affordable to the masses. They don't take insurance, and in many cases, your prescriptions are even cheaper than your co-pays. They carry thousands of different prescription drugs, so whatever you're taking, there's a good chance they have it. No coupons are required, and this is not a discount card. It is pure savings on your prescription drugs. They specialize in generic meds for any chronic health needs you have. Call with your prescription and find out for free how little you can pay for your prescription drugs. Remember, we don't take insurance, so call right now. 800-689-0143. That's 800-689-0143. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Now, when we last left the show last week, you were just about to put your hands inside Ferret and take care of Ferret. You were doing yeah, Ferret surgery. True. What was? How did yeah. that go? It went really well. Um, we ended up uh, finding a tumor in the pancreas, uh, removed that. We took out the spleen. Um, I, I did put some things back in the little critter okay. <laughs> to take everything out. Okay. Um, but she's doing really well. She's recovering nicely and uh, had a little post-op diabetes that we dealt with, but uh, she seems to be on the mend, so doing pretty good. And today you're dealing with uh, a dog that has glaucoma, is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a basset hound, really beautiful dog. Um, owners just woke up the other day, and all of a sudden the dog was blind. Wow. He had white-colored eyes, uh, couldn't get around. That really happens right out. overnight, just like that? It does, yeah. Jeez. And actually, this dog had a primary glaucoma, so kind of prone to the breed. Um, so and you know what glaucoma is, Hal, right? Sure. Well, sort of, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> it's basically when the pressures in the eye get really high, so the fluid builds up and it's just kind of constricted by the globe itself. Oh. Um, so it's really painful. Um, and, and is it mostly have, older animals that get this, or is it can be any animal? You know, it really can be any age, because there is a good amount of dogs that have this. Uh, it's a congenital problem. So in certain breeds of dog, we can see it very commonly, like the Basset Hound, Beagles, mm. Chow Chows, Jack Russell Terriers, among some of those. So it's um, pretty common in those, and it really can come on all of a sudden. Um, this poor guy, it happened in both eyes, but sometimes it just happens in one eye um, gradually and then the other eye later in time. Do you see it in cats and birds? You know, we don't see it as often in cats. Um, in it, it does happen in cats, but it's usually a secondary problem. So something else is wrong in the eye and the glaucoma comes along. Hmm. Uh, for birds, I, I, you know, that's a great question. I don't believe I've ever seen one unless it was secondary to a tumor in the mm. eye. Um, but yeah, so it's it's definitely, it's a tough disease. You know, is it, it treatable? It well, how is it treated? It is treatable, um, but it is not um, something we can cure. So we treat it with medicines um, as drops, um, injections, um, and uh, even oral medications. And uh, we try to control those pressures to the best of our ability, but we realize in many dogs, uh, we just can't win that battle. And when the pressure gets too high, 
the pain gets too high, um, there are salvage procedures where we actually remove the eye surgically. Um, and it sounds horrible, but it actually can create a very um, comfortable pet once we remove that uh, mm. eye. But uh, okay. we try every avenue that we can before that. Of course, of course. Okay. Absolutely. Good to learn a little more about that. I learned so much on this show. <laughs> You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. John Elder from England was heartbroken when his prized termite-sniffing beagle was stolen. Someone stole Joni by breaking a small air vent and dragging her through, leaving some skin and fur. Elder talked to local media, and news of the lost termite dog reached neighboring towns. A motorist found Joni walking dazed and confused in the middle of the highway. She originally thought that Joni had been hit by a car because she was missing so much skin and hair. Her daughter read about the missing dog, and soon Elder and his missing hound were reunited. Joni's abductor hasn't been found, but I'd look for somebody who used to have termites. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Vinnie Penn, your party animal, coming at you again with another party animal segment. I was actually visiting a friend of mine in New York not too long ago, I, I, actually shooting uh, a TV series in New York recently. If you'd like to check that out, by the way, feel free to go over to uh, VinniePen.com, and it's Vinnie, V-I-N-N-I-E-P-E-N-N.com. Want to check out what else I'm up to outside of the party animal segments, shooting a TV series called That's What He Said. Uh, some of the episodes are, are up on the website. And I got together with a buddy of mine I haven't seen for a while, took his big old dog for a walk down to one of those dog runs. Kilgore is the dog's name, by the way. And uh, I'd never been really to a dog run before. And my buddy's doing the whole New York thing of, you know, you can meet girls. Man, the girls I meet down here and this and that. But he kind of, you know, he kept Kilgore, you know, really kind of close to him. Uh, said he doesn't play all that well with other dogs. Sometimes, you know, he's sometimes he can, sometimes he doesn't. Whatever, uh, but it was all about him. It was all about the girls he could meet down there, and there were some good-looking girls down there at the dog run with their little dogs and their medium-sized dogs, their beagles running around. But I thought, what about Kilgore, man? This is where he should be hooking up. Doesn't he get a chance? I mean, it's a dog run. It's not a nightclub. But my boy couldn't understand that. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I didn't get the dog to pick up girls. I'm just saying that dog run is a great place to meet girls. Yeah, it's also a great place for your dog to meet another dog. I'm not talking about, you know, impregnating another dog and, and having one of those moderately horrific dog humping another dog scenes in front of everyone situations but good lord it is the dog run that is the nightclub for dogs am i wrong kilgore really just didn't get to do much other than you know run around in a circle a couple of times catch a frisbee once or twice and then every time he even eyed a sweet looking rottweiler or, or doberman pincher on the other side of the uh, the the grassy knoll that they had there or whatever the little stretch of grass they had there 
Um, my buddy Rich just said, Kilgore, get over here now. And it's like, let him talk, dude. Let him sniff. Let's see what his opening sniff is. Let's see what his come on sniff is. Vinny Penn, party animal on Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome, my friend. This hour, we have giveaways. We're going to have a pod GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker to give away in just a few minutes. Very excited about that. This, this is the new thing, these trackers. I know. It's become very popular. I think that's really cool that you can look on your phone, a smartphone, and it's find your dog. dog. Yeah, see where he's located if he's run away. When I was a kid, you know, they, they, they didn't have any of this technology. You lost your dog, you'd make a flyer, <laughs> you'd Xerox it for about five cents a piece, uh-huh. and you'd, you'd hang them around the neighborhood. Put but them now on the telephone poles. So much amazing technology, you'd never lose your animals now. And you got a free lost and found ad in the newspaper. Yes, I remember that. Newspapers. Those were the, the uh, paper things that told the daily news, <laughs> yes. right? Right. Also on the show in just a few minutes, five pets that are illegal to own with Robert Semro. He'll tell us, I can't even imagine, I'm thinking maybe ferret, maybe not. Depends where you are on that. But oh, I can think of a few. How about a sloth? Probably is illegal to own a sloth. I don't think too many people really want to own a sloth. What do you mean I'd own a sloth in a second? <laughs> are you kidding? I would love a sloth. Would you? Yes. Oh, why didn't you say something? Because I don't think you can have them. As I think they're ex- exotic, and I think that there's permits that you would need for them. And I don't think it'd be fair to the sloth, even though I don't think sloths. I wonder if you could buy if you can buy sloth food at PetSmart <laughs> and Petco. Oh. Yeah, Miss Lori Brooks in the newsroom with no sloths in there today, just Gordy snoring away in the background. Miss Gordy, yeah. What are you working on? Um, I'm not going to ask you to think too much here, but okay. uh, I'll make you wait a couple minutes until we give you the answer. But what do you think? Are pets getting, dogs specifically, are they getting bigger or are they getting smaller? Oh, I think they're getting fatter would I be my guess. I was going to say fatter. <laughs> okay. Let's ask taller or shorter. Taller or shorter. Mm, okay. We'll mm-hmm. have to wait on that. I, don't, I, would, I would guess that they're, I don't know. We'll have to wait. <laughs> I've gone from tall to short. I know that. In your business, Joey? No, in, I'm, no, I'm talking about in my household. Um, you know, oh. growing up, you know, we we've had big dogs. We've had big dogs um, forever, and then um, the older I've gotten, I I prefer smaller dogs. But that's just me. Hmm. And let's head to the phones. We have Shirley on the phones. Hi, Shirley. How are you doing? Hi. What Hi. fair city are you calling from today? I'm from uh, South Pasadena, California. South Pasadena. We're just talking about Pasadena. Well, so what's going on? How can we help you? Well, I have a cat. Uh, He's about four years old, and he uh, eats his fur. Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) And then he's got, from his uh, belly on down, no hair. All right. And is it just on his belly that he's uh, chewing the hair out, or is it other parts of his body? Well, his legs. 
all of his legs, no hair. He's, okay. There's like a ring around the upper portion. Okay. What kind of kitty? And and what kind of kitty? And does okay? Does he go outside? We don't know. No. Uh. Uh-uh. He. Okay. I know it has to do with the heat because uh, you know when it was cold and in the winter, his hair all grew back. He did this last year. Oh, okay. And then he scratches a lot, and he's got now scabs and stuff. And he's so cute. Aw. Cute but bald on his backside, huh? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, Shirley. You know, I'm going to say it's probably not heat. Um, but anytime we have a cat that's um, chewing their hair out, whether they're pulling it out in clumps or barbering it and kind of chewing it and licking it so it breaks off in pieces, number one thing I like to look at is really evaluate for potential allergies or other types of skin disease. So in areas where we have fleas, I always like to make sure we're doing really adequate flea control, even if they are indoors, because if you have other pets coming in and out, um, you know, fleas can find their way. So that's very one very important thing to look at. But if we do see a season to when he seems to have this problem, well, I would really look at allergies as a potential cause. And cats can be allergic to a lot of things. In a seasonal way, they can be allergic to pollens, grasses, environmental allergens like dust mites. Um, um, so we really want to look at that. Um, they can also have food allergy, but if the symptoms continue year-round, then I might think more food allergy. But seasonal, I'd say, hmm, maybe we have a cat that's allergic to something. So this would be something to, when I, whenever I'm presented with a cat like this, I would like to do a couple things. And the first things we want to do is make sure we don't have some infection-type problems that are going on, whether they be parasites like mites or um, things like ringworm, which are a fungus. Um, so a good visit to your veterinarians in line to make sure we don't have those things. And that may require they do a couple uh, skin samples, skin testing to evaluate that. But then we need to really look at what's going to be the best way to manage things. And if your veterinarian thinks it is in an allergy type condition, then there's a lot of things that we can do. Um, sometimes we can actually test a cat for allergies. Um, if you're not really willing to, you know, get into the cost or the, um, the steps of doing that, there's a lot of other options that we can try. One of the first things I do is I'd like to try a hypoallergenic diet. And I know I said that it may or may not be that because there's a season to your cat's symptoms, but a lot of this can overlap. So putting them on a novel protein diet or a hypoallergenic diet as prescribed by your vet can be a really good thing, simple, easy for you to control. The other types of steps that we do might be things that are medications, um, things like antihistamines. Um, so there are some like uh, chlorpheniramine or cyproheptidine that we can give to cats that can be helpful. Um, other steps we might use, fatty acids, um, just like we do in dogs with skin disease. That can be something you can use for cats to help manage their symptoms. Um, and then for some cats, we'll look at steroids, either in pill or injection forms, to give them that relief so that they don't scratch, chew, and um, cause themselves harm. But the other thing that, you know, before we say, oh, gosh, you know, here's a, I hate to say, you know, here's a, a shampoo or a cream or something you're going to use, because in most of these situations, it's something we really need to address medically. 
um, allergies, skin infections, parasites. And believe it or not, some cats will actually do this to themselves in the area you're describing when they have medical problems. And I've commonly found that cats can have bladder infections and chew the hair on their abdomen. I've had a cat with anal gland infections chew the hair on their abdomen, um, as well as even cats with um, spinal arthritis. So even if you don't suspect there's something else causing it, talk to your veterinarian because a lot of times we'll find out, oh, you know, the kitty also has an inappropriate urination problem. is peeing in spots he shouldn't. Well, that might clue your vet in to say, okay, let's make sure we check that urine sample and uh, maybe do a little blood work and make sure we're picking the right disease that we're treating because that's the, really the big thing here. And uh, I don't, I didn't ask you, um, Shirley, if your uh, vet had tried anything, if you used any medications. No, I, ha- I haven't been to the vet with him. Uh, the only reason why I haven't is because when it got cold, he didn't do it, and his hair all grew back from uh, last time. Mm-hmm. But uh, this time, you know, our weather goes from so high to so low in the <laughs> day's time, mm. and it sure. drives the cats crazy. Yeah, well, I think so, that the good news I is that... I have three cats, and the other two are fine. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the good news is, Shirley, that if you haven't tried anything, there's a lot of things your vet can... Um, offer you and at least um, discuss with you. Yeah. But you got to got to get your kitty in the cat carrier and get her to the vet, um, and then we can okay. work on trying to get some solutions. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling. Thank you, Shirley, for your call today. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, five pets that are illegal to own. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Rob, if they're pets, they're certainly legal, right? Well, that's not necessarily the case, depending on the state or the city that you live in. There can be legal issues for having common pets that exist in different states or cities. Let's start with ferrets. In several states and large cities, including California, Hawaii, New York City, and Dallas, to just name a few, ferrets are illegal, and if caught, you could face fines up to $200,000 or even prison time. That's right, ferrets, the court jesters of the animal kingdom, and enough cuteness to power any world, are illegal in certain places. Some states do allow you to have them as pets, but require additional filings, and you must meet certain requirements as well. Next up is gerbils. If you're in California, you may be surprised to know that your state doesn't allow gerbils as a pet as they're considered a threat to the ecosystem. These tiny palm-sized pets are common household pets in many areas of the U.S., and they're easy to care for and handle while also being social creatures. Next up is the hedgehog, and no, I'm not talking about the video game version, but the super cute, albeit very spiny hedgehog. These fascinating and easy-to-care-for animals have very simple needs and are quite adaptable. They're interactive, yet if handled improperly, they can use their quills to get their point across. (laughs) Yes, I went there. The bigger concern is that there are certain states and municipalities who deem them illegal as pets and or have severe restrictions, including California, Georgia, Hawaii, Pennsylvania, and more. Let's not forget that there are also a number of fish and snakes that are illegal to own in various states throughout the United States. It's remarkable the variety of these species that are found legally in the homes of people in one state 
yet they're not allowed in the homes of other states. And finally, I'd be remiss not to bring up the troubling movement to ban certain breeds of dogs and cats in cities in states across the country. From Bengal cats to pit bull dogs, traditional pets are increasingly under the scrutiny of the legal system. And while this list could go on for many days, I bring it up as a reminder that while you have rights, states and cities have laws. And I'm not saying these laws or regulations are right or wrong. I am, however, saying consider this when you're looking at adopting a new animal family member and remember that you're responsible to know the laws where you live in regards to your animal family members. Don't make the mistake of assuming anything or you may find yourself in big trouble and your pet confiscated or even worse. Share your pet legal stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Remember, if you have questions about anything you've heard on today's show, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. All updated, all new. It is cool. It is free. And uh, you actually look sexier with the app. Not a lot of people know that is one of the effects. But if you download it to your phone, you look sexier. Mm -hmm. Like, look, do I look sexier than I did before I downloaded it? Of course, you're saying. (laughs) So there's so many reasons to download it. So do it now. You know, here at Animal Radio, the studio cats have been using the Armor Cat cat trees for two decades. And you know, cats need to scratch, claw, and climb. And unlike any other tree, Armor Cat furniture is strong, durable, and really reliable. Armor Cat's best-in-class cat trees and beds all come with six-month warranties. Go to ArmorCat.com. That's A-R-M-A-R-K-A-T.com. And give your cat the tree they deserve. And get 15% off using the code ANIMALRADIO. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. A whole bunch of animals on the radio. That's where we are. With a whole bunch of animals in the studio today. Seems like we have a full house of all kinds of animals. Hopefully you get to bring your animals to work with you. Supposedly, employers who allow animals to come to work find that there's more productivity. I don't know if that's true here at Animal Radio. I'd be brushing my dog the whole day. I don't know. I'd be like, oh, get your hair out of your eyes. Come over here. I'd be kissing mine and hugging her and just come here to mama. I wouldn't get much work done. Coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to give away a GPS Wi-Fi pet tracker from Pet Trackers. To my left... Dr. Debbie to my right, Lori Brooks, Judy Francis, and Joey Volani all here for you today. Uh, Miss Brooks, news is just around the corner. What are you working on? A story about a, a cat and its owner who had to, you know, she was nervous about her cat's behavior. That was so bad, she had to put a warning note in every neighbor's mailbox, <laughs> kind of alerting them. I'll tell you what it was all about. Oh, that's wild. That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Not bad. How you doing? Good. What's up? Okay, I've got a three-year-old female Doberman Pinscher, and uh, when she was two years old, we had her fixed. And uh, ever since she got fixed, or ever since we got her fixed, she has had trouble holding her urine. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever she whenever she lays down and goes to sleep, when she gets into a deep sleep, she just leaks all over her badminton. You can tell that in her face, she knows, hey, I, 
I've done something bad, and oh, God, you know the deal. She's embarrassed. (laughs) You know, it's like catching a little kid that just went to bed and don't want to tell you about it. She feels so guilty, but of course you can't scold her because it's an accident. Exactly. You know what I mean? So um, I took her back to the vet, and the doctor, uh, our veterinarian, has given us uh, this medication that's very expensive, and I can't remember the name of it. But you're supposed to give her the uh, pill in the morning when she eats and a pill around noon. And, uh, of course, we uh, don't give her a lot of water, okay? Now, whenever she needs to go outside, she'll smack the cowbell. We'll take her outside. And uh, her urine is a, is very dark, and you can smell it. So how is now? Is she still on this medicine, and, and is it helping her? Well, yes and no. Uh, it is helping her. Not wet the bed, but it's 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 we're spending a lot of money masking a problem. Okay, well, a couple things from what you're saying. Um, now, the first thing that we'll just want to go over is that the female dogs can definitely develop some incontinence issues, and it basically is most common when we we hear stories of dogs that are sleeping or they're um, coming from a lying position and they get up and then they you find a puddle of urine. So for that, in a female dog, yes, most often they are spayed. So for some dogs, it can actually be related to an estrogen deficiency. In other dogs, it's just a matter of the urethral sphincter and it's just not working well. So there are some great options to help pets that have this. Now, if you're looking for a fix for it, you got it and it's probably going to be a pill. Um, as far as there are some more, in, I don't want to say invasive, but some more corrective things, but they're usually involving putting collagen in the bladder and injections and it's, it's really not something we recommend for the average pet. Um, for most yeah. dogs that have this, they can be well controlled with medications. Um, now, I'm not sure which one your um, pet is on, but there is um, a couple different ones we can choose from. One is called phenylpropylamine, also known as PPA, and it's usually given two to three times a day, um, and it helps to improve the, the tone in the urinary sphincter. And for a lot of dogs, that may be all they need to control their symptoms. For other okay. dogs, that may not do enough, and um, we may go into a more of an estrogen compound, and those may be given typically only maybe once or twice a week because there's you know uh, definitely good and bad with all these medicines. Um, I can yeah. tell you, my own female dog, um, 13 and a half year old gal, she has urinary incontinence, and she's had it since an early age. Um, yeah, she was did, a re- did it just happen overnight. It can, yeah, it definitely can. Um, sure. The big question is, and, and granted, I don't know all the details of your pet's health, but when we do diagnose this type of problem, we want to make sure we're not missing something else because there's a lot of other reasons that can cause a dog to produce a lot of urine and not be able to hold it. And I've actually found uh, a high amount of dogs that start doing this kind of urine leakage. We may treat them with a urinary incontinence medicine, but we're not really maybe always catching the real problem. And I found that right. some dogs are actually developing they have a kidney problem, a liver problem, or some other disorder, and it just makes them drink more, and they can't hold their urine. So if we just treat for the trying to make them hold their urine, we're not really getting to the heart of things. So if your vet hasn't done a full blood panel, I would recommend that. The other thing, and it kind of concerns me when you say your dog's urine is dark and that you're restricting water for a dog that has um, an excessive thirst. There could be a lot of negatives with that. So um, now I'm not opposed to maybe right I, before. Just- bedtime. Uh, but we have, to, we have to really watch the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah, oh, sure. in there and get a drink out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, anything I that's available. That, I mean, it's, it's water, you know, I mean, 
Um, yeah. But so I for feel me, so bad because her her tongue is actually dry. Okay. Well, you need to get this baby checked out then. I, I'm going to give you a prescription for getting um, a blood panel pulled on her, and I would definitely get a urine sample. And the reason is that a lot of dogs on urinary continence medicines can actually develop retention urinary tract infections. So we've kind of messed with their ability to hold their urine, and that sometimes can allow bacteria to flourish in the bladder longer. So um, those two things, I would make sure you get your vet to check the blood and check the urine and make sure we're not developing something else that's causing her to drink excessively Um, because definitely you can create problems if we're not kind of being vigilant with that you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now with the free animal radio app for iphone and android hello i'm david bellamy the bellamy brothers and we're on animal radio love your animals Got an old car? You can donate it and save a life. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help. They want to keep saving lives by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car or truck, running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Call now for free pickup. 800-245-0823. 800-245-0823. That's 800-245-0823. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. There's a new study out from the University of Sydney that says the average size of a dog these days is shrinking. And that's apparently because more pet owners now prefer smaller dogs to be their companions. Researchers analyzed nearly three decades of registrations in order to get this information. They were registrations with the Kennel Club, a UK-based dog welfare organization. They found dog lovers are also increasingly opting for bulldogs and pugs because of their large heads. But get this, the bulldog pug popularity is also said to be driven partly by their big eyes and chubby cheeks that apparently triggers the same caretaking behavioral responses in humans that we adults have towards babies. The study in the Canine Journal Genetics and Epidemiology found the average height of a dog in 2010 was 47.7 centimeters, or to us, that's almost 19 inches. Ten years earlier, a typical dog stood at close to 20 inches tall. The lead researcher on that study says they also found that the demand for smaller dogs has increased every single year since 1986. Pet cemeteries are becoming increasingly popular these days in China, with owners there paying a whole lot of money to bury their pets. It costs between 50 and $1,800 for an owner in China to bury their pets on a plot in a cemetery there. Rows of tombstones at one cemetery, they say, bear the names of many pets, along with flowers, toys, food, and even vitamins and chew bones that are placed beside headstones. Pet owners who wish to give their animals in China a more formal send-off can opt to bury their animal under the roots of old trees or in a single grave and like in america they can also opt for cremation 
Well, this cat has got more than your tongue, and it might be kind of embarrassing. A pet cat in New Zealand has been stealing men's underwear and socks from other people's homes. In the last two months, the six-year-old cat named Bridget acquired 11 pairs of underwear and more than 50 pairs of socks. Bridget's owner says she has put notes in every single mailbox on her street trying to warn her neighbors, but no one is admitting to missing anything yet. But one day they say Bridget came home from being outdoors very motherly then came in carrying a sock like it was a kitten so maybe that's her attraction you know I'm always wondering where that sock went that extra sock every time I do laundry maybe we have a sock ceiling cat around you missing any underwear Hal I am this has been an animal radio news update get more at animalradio.com I just checked when she asked, and it's gone. You had them on just a minute ago. (laughs) You know, it would be a good way, honey. I don't know whose underwear that is. The cat brought them in. Is there something you want to tell me, dear? (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, Sebastian. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. How are you doing? Good. Where are we calling you today? Uh, you're pulling me in Australia, actually. Oh, down under. Okay. It's beautiful, huh? It is. It is. Especially at this time in the morning. It's uh, 5.45 here. So oh. nice and early. The sun's <laughs> just coming up. Good. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but I wanted to get you on the phone and I wanted to talk about pod trackers. What is a pod tracker? It's quite simply the smallest and lightest GPS tracker in the world. And we market it towards the uh, the pet industry for those who are looking to... Uh, protect their animals, uh, you know, be able to find them when they go missing and, and those who want to find out and discover a little bit more about the secret life of their pet through their activity or through their adventures that they, they can record on the device. Oh, wow. Okay. I see so many of these things available, but they are pretty clunky and big. So yours is the smallest, the smallest available. How big is that? Uh, well, you know, the best comparison I can give you is it's about the same size as a wine cork. So if you if you like your wine, next oh, time yeah. you pop open a bottle, it, it's about that size. That's small. Yeah, because I have problems with my dog only weighs 10 pounds, and these other things are so huge. There's no way I could put that around her neck. But this looks definitely like it, it would fit around her nicely. She could wear a wine cork. <laughs> so what what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to see where our animal is on our cell phone? That's right. So there's an app that you can download from the App Store, and that controls the device entirely. So it will give you the ability to locate your pet on demand at any time. It will also give you the ability to create a virtual fence around your property so that when your animal escapes, you'll get an alert to say, hey, they've gone missing, you know, start getting the neighbors involved. So you can set up a boundary. Absolutely, absolutely. And you'll also have the ability to record all of their activity. That's their walk, rest, and run data to see, you know, how much they're getting towards their targets, whether they need to be more active, whether they need to be slightly less active. And then uh, finally, you can also record adventures. So let's say you've got a cat that goes off at night and you're quite interested to find out where he goes and who he gets fed by. You can press record and you can see exactly where he goes and which houses he nips into and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's quite exciting. Oh, I absolutely love it. Now, do you have to charge it? How do you keep these things powered? 
Sure. It's got um, two, two batteries that it comes with, uh, and this is a feature that's unique to us in the market. Uh, being a safety device, we designed it so that it was always on the collar. Uh, which means the two batteries that it comes with can be changed over. So, oh, that's great. You, know, you keep one on the collar, one on charge. Every time it runs low, you get an alert on the phone through the app and you just swap the batteries over rather than having to remove it from the animal, which is what you're trying to keep safe and take it to charge. Uh, you know, we, we designed something slightly different so that it could stay on the animal and protect the animal at all times. That's the problem I have with my Fitbit is I got to take it off and charge it, and I don't get all my credit for all my activity while it's charging. <laughs> and, and you forget to put it back on. Sometimes, yes, right? exactly. Yeah, you're busy trying to get ready for work, and you forget to put it back on, especially when it's an animal. You know, you forget to put it back on. It's not just a couple of hours that it's unprotected. It could be sometimes a day or more if you if you you know trying to get the kids ready for work, or, you know, kids ready for school. Sorry, I shouldn't say work. <laughs> uh, and. Uh, you know, you forget to put it back on, and and then then that's it. Your animal's unprotected for the day, and let's face it, that's that's the exact time that it goes missing, and you're sitting there wondering why you're tracking the plug socket. What does something like this cost? It's 199 US dollars. Uh, it does sound like an expensive bit of kit, but you know, when you consider how much it costs when your animal gets hit or you know, goes missing and is picked up by the pound, and you have to pay pound fees and recovery fees and things like that, it's it's actually a, a quite a, uh, a worthwhile uh, device. Now, that will give you all of your credit for the first year, so there's nothing to pay. It works straight out of the box. And, yeah, you're, you're good to go. You, you know, you can have the comfort and peace of mind straight away that your animal is, is safe. I like the alert, uh, the uh, the boundary alerts. I like Definitely. that. That's neat. As well as the activity monitoring. It's like a Fitbit for animals is what it is. <laughs> oh. In, indeed, and, and it works great for my cat. You know, I have a road here, busy road quite close to us that I don't really want him going across. And I have my safe zone set up, you know, larger than my property, but it, it just doesn't uh, overlap that road. So as soon as he's uh, hitting that boundary and I'm getting an alert, I, I know to go running after him and make sure he's uh, <laughs> he's all right. And the funny thing is we've even got customers whose pets have learned when the unit starts flashing, which is when you request anything, there's a few lights on it that will flash. We, we've got a customer whose cat has actually learnt to come home and collect some treats when his light flashes. Wow. So, you know, it, quite an intelligent cat, obviously, but, um, you know, wow. the device has, has now got sort of training aspects to it as well, which is why, you know, we're starting to develop the ability to put a speaker into it as well for, for training purposes. Oh, this is exciting. Get back home now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure it will do voice, but it, it will certainly do some sort of uh, sound that you can train your animal to. I think it's an amazing idea and an amazing piece of technology, and I understand we're going to go ahead and give one away right now. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully we've got a lucky winner. Sebastian, thank you so much for getting up so early in the morning to yap with us. You can go back to sleep now. Yeah, go back to bed. <laughs> Terrific. Thanks, guys. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Alan Cable, hi. You know, every now and then something comes along that nobody argues about. Everybody feels the same way. I 
yeah, this is actually one of my, my baseball clubs that the Beavers gave me. Some things are just cute. Yeah, I know. Here's the story of one little nine-year-old boy everybody's talking about. He's cute and friendly. That's Josh. He was seen sneaking into a neighbor's garage repeatedly, so she put a surveillance camera in there to see what was going on. Turns out Josh lost his own dog about a year ago, so he was sneaking into Holly's garage to pet her dog. The video's been viewed on Facebook more than 25 million times. Go? He wants a new dog, but Mom says, hold on a second. We just felt we didn't have the time that a new dog needed for us to devote to it. Josh's mom's a really smart lady thinking about the dog's needs and not just hers and her son's. It sure is nice to see a story that touches everyone the same way. It's strange how something as simple as a boy and a dog can make you overwhelmed with a sense of happiness. Thanks, Josh. This is Animal Radio, baby. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here... You're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. If you're a diabetic, we have great news. You can end the painful finger sticks with a new CGM. Plus, they may be covered by Medicare, Medicaid, or private insurance. If you test and inject daily, you may qualify. Call U.S. Med now to learn more. 800-785-1673. 800-785-1673. That's 800-785-1673. This is Animal Radio, baby. And let's take another one for our world's greatest vet, our very own Dr. Debbie. And we have Tim, who I understand has two questions. Do we allow that? Do we allow two questions? I'm going to allow Yeah. Okay, we'll allow two questions. Hey, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you taking two questions. Uh, first thing is, I've got a, um, well, he's supposed to be a miniature long-haired dachshund, but I don't think there's anything miniature about him. Uh, <laughs> he weighs 15 pounds, so I think they... At least sold me a line as well as a dog. But anyway, when he drinks his water, he gets choked. I mean, he gags and sounds like he's going to throw up and just has a real rough time with it. So I was just wondering if there was anything that you knew could be causing that. Mm -hmm. And is it only when he's drinking water or does he have problems with food? No, no problems with food at all. And is it pretty consistent that he does it most every time he's drinking? It's pretty consistent, yeah. Yeah, and there are some dogs that we can see this where they start this gagging right after drinking. There's some concern that there could be a sensory nerve dysfunction. So basically, they're kind of not sensing things back in the back of the throat really well, and it actually is leading to them aspirating and choking on that water. So so that's a possibility. It's a little challenging to determine that just from looking at a dog. So there is testing involved. However, there are pets that it's more than just that, and it's more than just them kind of coughing this up. And for some pets, they can actually develop some dysfunction um, with the laryngeal area and basically where the muscles in the throat don't coordinate normally and it allows food or water to actually kind of go down that wrong pipe. Um, that's a little bit more um, advanced of a situation. And with those pets, we can see more uh, labored breathing. They actually may have pneumonia. Uh, they may have a different breathing pattern at, uh, at rest. So it doesn't quite sound like you're in that situation. Um, so I guess the, the simple thing is that it might be something to look at um, and to do a little bit more investigation, maybe start with some 
x-rays of the neck area and maybe have a good anesthetic exam where the vet looks down the throat. Those might be some things to kind of get a little bit better comfort, whether it is something of concern or not. Now, there are some simple things that I would instruct you to maybe try at home to see if this helps to alleviate um, the symptoms. And if all you're left with is that just he kind of coughs and gags with water and it doesn't lead to anything more serious, then we may just need to try these things. And, and one would be to try um, elevating the food and water on a little feeding stand. And for some dogs, that's all it takes is that just that elevation and little height can make a difference. Okay. The, the other thing you can try is to experiment a little bit and add, instead of offering just plain water, you can actually add the water to the food. Um, if he eats kibble or um, even canned food, you can just add some of his drinking water to that. And because he'll be eating it, it may not cause that same reaction. And that way you kind of help to minimize some of the coughing and gagging he does at other times. Um, okay. But those might just be some little experiments you can try to see if that helps make a difference for him. Okay, the second thing was, and this is gross, but how often should you express the anal glands? <laughs> anal glands, it's one of our favorite topics in the vet world. Um, mm -hmm. the, the answer is as often as you need to. Uh, does your guy have some problems where he's scooting his bottom or he has leakage of those glands? Well, he doesn't leak and he doesn't scoot that much. He does occasionally, but he, he really bites at it a lot. And okay. I know it's All not right. fleas. He doesn't have fleas, and mm -hmm. and um, I take it. I take him to one of the major chains to have him groomed once a month, and mm -hmm. uh, and they said that that's one of the indications that his his uh, glands needs to be expressed. So they always yeah. do it, and that's once a month, and I. Just a little surprised that he may need it more than that. That seems kind of often. Well, you know, for our dachshunds, once a month is actually a very common reality. Um, more than that, I can't say that we don't occasionally have a pet we do more than once a month, but I try to avoid it if possible. Um, although, you know, I'll tell you, my little puppy, <laughs> I'm down to like every two weeks um, for him because he actually starts leaking his gland material around the house. So, so I'm kind of with you there. <laughs> I'm getting a little. <laughs> frustrated with these glands. Um, but yeah, I would shoot for once a month if you can. But for the you know average pet, maybe non-dachshund, I'd say every one month to every three months. Um, and how do you know if there's a problem? Yeah, if they're scooting, licking, biting at the bottom, um, or leaving lovely little stinky smells that smell like nasty tuna coming out of a can. Um, to me, that's a symptom that we need what, to get those. What causes that? Because Ladybug doesn't deal with that, uh, you know, uh, don't want to jinx it there, knock on wood, but why is it one dog has to have their renal glands expressed more than another dog? You know, there's a lot of theories out there. Some folks think that it's related to the fiber content in the diet, so they'll try to bulk up their stools to make them not have problems. But, you know, it, it doesn't always work that way. Um, there are some breeds where we just tend to see more problems. Basset hounds and dachshunds are probably my number two breeds that we see frequent anal gland expressions that just need to be done for comfort and, you know, and for owner's happiness. <laughs> um, and then, you know, just some dogs, uh, we can see more problems if they have food allergies. They can have more symptoms of the anal glands um so you know some of those things we can kind of play with diet a little bit for some pets as well and you know there's that occasional pet we will talk about taking these glands out and you know i may be signing up boss <laughs> for this surgery if i have to keep squeezing these glands every 7 to 14 days wow. um so i'll keep you posted i didn't realize on that you one. <laughs> have that done so maybe that'll be a, be a possibility Mm. Yeah, you can. And it's definitely, the surgery is not the, the first choice we have. Because if we can manage something without having to cut out a body part, we definitely would prefer it. Hope that helps well, you, Tim. 
I appreciate your help. Enjoy the call. Thank you. I appreciate appreciate you listening to Animal Radio. You tell your friends about it, okay? I will. Okay. The more listeners we can get, the better I can pay rent. Hey, I'm just telling you the way it is, okay? Let's pile on those listeners. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Remember, if you need to get your fix of Animal Radio, head on over to AnimalRadio.com and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And we'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. So long. is Animal Radio Network. Network.